You're a little older and a lot wiser. The future is yours. Define aging on your own terms. Welcome to AARP Without Limits with your host, Mike Olander. Hello and welcome. This is AARP Without Limits, WPTF Talk Radio, disrupting aging with the power of 50,000 watts, and our podcast available anytime on demand at WPTF.com or through our Facebook, AARP North Carolina. I'm your host, Mike Olander of AARP North Carolina. We've got a great show for you today, folks. Jared Bloomfield of Wish of a Lifetime is our guest to talk about how he and his organization is helping fulfill the dreams of older adults. But before we get to that, as always, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with our esteemed production engineer, Mr. Jason Kong. Jason, how you doing, my friend? Mike, I'm good. Still running off a sugar high, but life is good. A sugar high? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You're on another sugar high? What well, could the, it be from this time? This is Halloween-related. Yes. Excess candy still all over the house. So, yes, that, that has left me on an excess sugar high. That's right. The time folks are listening to this, we will have past Halloween. Or we are past Halloween right now. Um, so how was it for you, for you and your family this year? Oh, it was great. The little ones had a great time, uh, dressed up, excited. You know, they wanted to go all night, but uh, we eventually had to call it quits because it was a little cold and rainy out. But no, it was wonderful. How was how was your Halloween? Do you give out candy? Do you like to dress up? What is your Halloween feelings there? I don't you think know, we've discussed this. I'm glad this. you asked that because every year it's been different. And this year was very different from previous years. This is the first year where both my kids are in middle school. And so for the experience for me as a parent is very, very different. Um, kids are into it. Kids want to dress up. They want to go trick-or-treating. But, uh, yeah, Dad, we're, we're going to hang with our friends. We don't need you this oh, time. Yeah. So gotcha. it was mostly me carpooling, going to drop you guys off, um, you know, just kind of check it in here and there. You know, my, my son and my daughter were together with the same group of friends, and my, my son is a 13-year-old. has got a... Another new girlfriend now, so uh, pictures of him, you know, with his arm around her, and they're out trick-or-treating and and having a great time. Um, But um, I'm okay with that, and and I've been doing some thinking about this because, you know, I mean, yeah, I can, you know, pine about how it's not as fun as it used to be as a parent because, you know, it's great when your kids are little and you're going out them and you're watching them go up and knock on the door by themselves and, you know, and say trick-or-treat. And, you know, they got, you know, they're working for it. They're being social. And, of course, they're excited and, and very uh, cute to be dressed up in their costumes. Um, but what I really like about this is that, you know, everyone is so aware now of how technology and social media has just changed so many things in, in our lives. And uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will agree that there is a big perception out there that the younger generation, you know, they're just really tied up with their phones and with social media and with gaming, and they just don't go out and play and, you know, do things out anymore, you know, and they're not riding their bike until the sun goes down like like we did when we were kids. But, you know, Halloween is one of those very few exceptions, because I'll tell you, my kids were, you know, excited about it, you know, just as they've, they've always been. And um, that, for me, you know, gives me a little bit of hope because I, too, am concerned about that. You know, I want to make sure my kids are, are well grounded and are, um, you know, getting all the, the opportunities to do all the fun things I did a- as a kid while also having the benefit of all this new technology and these features we have in, in our society today. And Halloween's one of those things where, you know, you, I guess you can do virtual trick-or-treating. I mean, 
who wants to do that? <laughs> I don't. I don't want. You know, I don't want the JPEG of the Butterfinger, Jason. No, I want the no. real Butterfinger. You know Agreed. what I'm saying? Agreed. And to do that, you got to work for it. And you got to dress up because no, you know, nobody in your neighborhood should be giving you candy if you show up just without a costume and with a sack in your hand. You know, you got to dress up. You got to walk the neighborhood or or walk the mall or wherever you're going. And uh, ask, you know, say those three words, trick or treat. And, you, you know, you got to work for it a bit. And uh, it's just great to see kids so, uh, you know, still excited about those, um, those types of things. So that, that gives me some, a, a bit of hope. The other thing, you know, it made me think about, Jason, was um, that, uh, you know, so much as parents, and I know your kids are a bit younger than mine, um, we as parents, and I'm sure as grandparents too, do a lot of vicarious living, right? You know, we, we relive some moments of our childhood. Halloween is one of those perfect examples of that. And I'm wondering, um, you know, we, and we try not to be selfish. We want our kids to have our own experiences with this. And obviously we have to let go. You know, my kids aren't dressing up uh, in the same way that they were in, in doing the Halloween thing. And now it's different and it's, it's still enjoyable for me to watch. I wonder if the same thing is true with grandparents, you know, um, and I've honestly never asked that question. I've been in, in the field of working with older adults now for um, over, well, over 20 years. And that's one of the questions I have never asked anybody. And so I'm interested. Uh, those of you listening, uh, please reach out to us. You can send us an email, AARP without limits at AARP.org. Let us know what you think. Um, you know, do you do vicarious living through your grandkids, um, or is it an entirely different experience um, than from, say, what you had with your children? Would love to hear about that. And I know with sometimes vicarious living, uh, Jason, um, can be, uh, you know, an exciting thing because it gives you the chances to, you know, maybe live out your dreams a little bit, be able to do things you wish you could do, you know, like, Sometimes it's a bad thing, you know, like, yeah, I really wish I pushed myself more in sports so you push your kid to do that, and it can't be always the most, you know, it's not always the most healthy thing. Other times it can be really, really good, and you can, in a way, see your dreams and wishes be realized, and that's why um, right now I'm really happy to, to introduce our guest for today's program uh, because they deal in the wish business, Jason. They are in the, 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 the business of helping fulfill the uh, wishes and dreams of older adults. And so I'm very happy to introduce today Jared Bloomfield, who's the director of the National Field Program for Wish of a Lifetime, which is an AARP charity. Jared, thank you so much for being with us today. Mike and Jason, thank you so much for having me. So, so happy to be here. Great. Well, let's begin with some basics. Um, What is Wish of a Lifetime? What's its mission? And, you know, how, when did it get started? Yeah, so I think it's good for your listeners to know we didn't rehearse any of this, but your Halloween tie was so beautiful because it really, for me, hits what Wish of a Lifetime is, which is how can we find ways for older adults to connect in deep and meaningful ways? And so Wish of a Lifetime is a nonprofit organization. We actually were founded in 2008. So we've granted 2,600 wishes in our last 15 years, and they're all around honoring older adults and their legacies. So just like every person is different, every older adult is different, and we're so proud to be able to put some incredible experiences together for older adults that not only change their lives, but kind of remind them how meaningful they are, not only to their family and also their society. 
Now, please explain a bit the process that you use to help fulfill wishes for people. Um, how does you know someone work with with Wish of a Lifetime to make their wish come true? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for for asking that question. So we are so proud to actually be, and I'll explain a little bit about the National Field Program, my group within Wish of a Lifetime. So a big part of the program is all about going out and finding wishes. And Mike, it's so cool because we've been doing it in North Carolina and we will continue to do it in North Carolina. So for those that want to learn more, they can visit us at www.wishofalifetime.org backslash application. But we have a very well-built out process, but our goal is to grant as many high quality wishes as we possibly can. I always say to people, this isn't Publishers Clearinghouse. And so we don't just grant one wish a month, one wish a year. Last year, we granted 275 wishes. And so it's our hope that wishes come in through our application process. Our team, we have 12 full-time wish granters. Uh, it's, it's the most amazing LinkedIn title ever. Hmm. And after we get a wish application in, our wish granters call out and they talk to the older adult. They talk to the family. They learn a little bit more about that senior's not only experience in life, but also their potential wish. And then we write up a report. We do our best to advocate for the wish. And again, more wishes than not uh, that do hit our criteria are able to be granted. And we really look for people that have deep and meaningful connections to once in a lifetime experiences. And I can't wait to share a few examples going forward here. I have to say, your your enthusiasm is just coming right through my headphones here, and I'm sure those who are listening right now to ARP Without Limits uh, will w- would agree. Um, quick question here, and then we're going to be getting to a commercial break soon. But yeah. as you mentioned, uh, Wish for a Lifetime was was founded back in 2008, but now it's an officially an ARP um, affiliated charity. What does that affiliation give the organization that it did not have before? That's a great question. Yeah, we were founded in 2008. Very grassroots, very scrappy by somebody named Jeremy Bloom, who, for those of you that don't know Jeremy Bloom, first ever Olympic skier that also played professional football, really an incredible guy that that created this charity in living honor of his grandparents. But once we were able to affiliate, it really allowed us to be truly national nonprofit. We're based in Denver, Colorado, and we've always tried to grant wishes across the United States, but now we have the ability to make connections with you all here today and and spread the word so that our hope is that every older adult in need and who is deserving of a wish will have an opportunity to get a wish granted. Excellent. And I have to say, you know, Jason, and for those of you listening who are unaware of this, you know, ARP is a very large organization. You know, uh, we are a nonprofit 501c4. um, And as we have done our work over the course of 65 years, we have a very unique opportunity to identify needs uh, of the 50 plus community uh, across the country and um, and um, d- to be able to see other organizations that are doing really, really good work and sometimes all they need is a spotlight or a magnifier or a um, an amplifier to allow let people know that they're out there and what they're doing and Wishful Lifetime is one of those organizations um, that, that uh, we have a taken under our wings, so to speak, in order to help expand their mission and reach more people. When we come back after this break, folks, we're going to dig deeper with um, Jared speaking about Wish of a Lifetime. This is ARP Without Limits. We'll be right back.
And we are back. This is AARP Without Limits. Folks, just a reminder, we always love hearing from you. If you have a question, if you have a comment, if you have a suggestion for a future guest or topic, uh, please reach out to us. Send us an email to AARP Without Limits at AARP.org. We've been speaking today with Jared Bloomfield, who's the director of the National Field Program for Wish of a Lifetime, which is uh, an official AARP-affiliated charity. Um, Jared, thanks again so much for being with us. Uh, On your website, which is wishofalifetime.org, there is a section titled Why It Matters. Uh, Tell our listeners why helping fulfill dreams of older adults is so meaningful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for the question. And and I think... I think about two different things. The first, the first thing that we really focus on in Wish of a Lifetime is uh, one's funeral shouldn't be the first time that somebody hears something really positive about themselves in their life. How can we celebrate older adults, seniors, where while they're healthy and active and happy? That's so important in Wish of a Lifetime. We have so many incredible stories that we want to tell and we want to show our older adults what an important part of the community they are, whether it's grandparent, neighbor, aunt and uncle, how powerful it is to tell those stories in the moment. The second reason why it matters is people need to hear these stories. That's a big part of our vision at Wish of a Lifetime is intergenerational connection. Y'all talked about uh, how in, in the open, you talked about how Halloween is different than it used to be because young people are different than they used to be. And how important is it to connect younger people to our older traditions, our older generations, and the wisdom that comes from that? And so telling those stories to younger generations is something that is so meaningful and so very few people are doing outside of Wish of a Lifetime with, with our collaboration with AARP. And this is such an important initiative, and that's why I wanted to have you on, Jared, because back, uh, Jason, you might remember back uh, earlier this year, we had... One of our members of our ARP North Carolina Executive Council, uh, Harriet Miller, she actually works at part. She's a volunteer with ARP, but also Wish of a Lifetime and was just like she's like a great, you know, informal ambassador for the program. And she was sharing some stories with us uh, just to, that were just kind of mind blowing. And as Jared mentioned here, twenty six hundred plus wishes to date have been fulfilled. Was it two hundred seventy five last year? Um, yeah, in, in this year, yes. In this year, this year alone, um, yeah. uh, 2023. So this initiative, I know, truly makes a difference in people's lives, and I really appreciate what you said about storytelling and that intergenerational piece. What are some stories that you can share that have resonated the most with you, Jared? So I've been incredibly lucky. I've been at Wish of a Lifetime now for nine years, and I can kind of tell any story because based on my mood or the day, a different story resonates with me. But uh, one of the stories that I wanted to tell was we had three sisters. This was several years ago, three centenarians. And so for those listeners out there that that don't know what a centenarian is, that's somebody that's over a hundred years old. And so we had three sisters that were over a hundred years old. The oldest sister was 110 years old. The sisters hadn't seen each other for more than 30 years, and their wish of a lifetime, quite simply, was to reconnect. And so it wasn't that easy 
with two sisters that were in their mid to low 100s to send them on an airplane. We actually needed a private plane for one of the sisters for health reasons, but we were able to get all three sisters together for the first time in 30 years and the last time. And you can just feel the depth of the relationship. You can feel the, the impactful storytelling. And most importantly, you can feel the surprise for these older sisters that didn't feel like it was that big of a deal that they would all see each other. But it completely swept up the nation and um, people still talk about that story. And it was eight or nine years ago. One other story I just wanted to tell mm-hmm. really quickly. I mean, there's there's so many beautiful ones, but we just granted a wish for a Tuskegee Airman. And so for those of you that have your computers in front of you, which is probably most, you should look up Lieutenant Colonel James Harvey. He's a Tuskegee Airman. And 75 years after him and his um, comrades won but never got rightfully an award because of the color of their skin, we were able to honor his entire team, not only in Washington, D.C., but in Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada. And just such a great way not only to tell a story, but to remind Lieutenant Colonel Harvey, who at that point was 99 years old, the deep power and strength of his unique story. And so again, 2,600 wishes, maybe you'll invite me on again and I can tell eight other wishes, but there's incredible, incredible stories. And I would ask people if they wanted to go on our website, they're all on our website, www.wishofalifetime.org. Every wish is completely unique and, and deeply powerful. And we have older adults calling us three, four, five years after the wish, still checking in because it was such an impactful part of, of their life. And, and we're so proud of that. That is so wonderful. And, and Jared, I have to ask, too, here, too, you know, are there national media? Has national media been able to to pick up and highlight any of these stories? I mean, 2,600 is so many. Um, and I know there's only so many that the spotlight can be can be shined upon. Um, but have there been any that have gotten like a, a lot? What's the story that has gotten, you think, the most national attention from, yeah. from Wish of a Lifetime? So, yeah, it's, it's a great question. And I think I always say this, the more people know about Wish of a Lifetime or our wishes, the more prone they are to to work together to spread the stories because every story really is amazing when you tap into the inherent love and joy that, that we're able to, to create in that story. But we had a wish granted uh, on December 7th. This was 2016, where we sent uh, an older adult. His name was Mel Heckman back to Pearl Harbor. He was a Pearl Harbor survivor. He served on December 7th in 1941. And his wish of a lifetime was always to go back to the 75th reunion. And we were actually able to bring CBS there and told an amazing story about Mel, his experience, and brought his entire family out for a few days to revisit the spot that he was when he saw the the Japanese come in um, 75 years prior. So Mel Heckman's Wish of a Lifetime. There's some beautiful stories and videos on our website of, of that wish. This is just extraordinary to me because, you know, you hear, I, I, I like the way you said, you know, we don't, this isn't like Publishers Clearinghouse where they only give out one prize a year. Yeah. Um, you guys, you know, 275 already this year. And each one of these 
um, wishes has a, such a unique story, I'm sure. And in many cases, as you just said here now, you know, it oftentimes doesn't involve just one person, right, connecting with, with another person. It can involve a family actually being invited to be a part of it. Um, and so I really appreciate, you know, we at ARP always try to, to, to highlight, um, uh, to use storytelling, to illustrate um, the importance of intergenerational learning and people being able to, to connect, um, you know, the younger generations learning from the older generations. Um, and of course, just bringing people together is such a, a beautiful thing as it is. So for somebody who's listening right now, Jared, and, and they go to the website, you mentioned it's wishofalifetime.org slash application. That's, that's the address. Yeah. And yeah, that's right. And what's the application process itself? It's just a form on the website. It is a form on the website. If you have any questions with that form on the website, you can always email us at volunteer at wishofalifetime.org. There's about six questions on the application. It's pretty easy to fill out if people do want a paper application or if they have questions because it's the first time filling out the application, they can reach out to us. Mike, just quickly, I wanted to say that one of the best things about the AARP affiliation is we now have the staff and the resources to help volunteers submit a wish for the first time. Mm. So it is pretty easy on the website, but anything we can do, we're actually looking for wishes. And I know that sounds crazy, but we're actually looking for wishes. So anything we can do to help people submit wishes for amazing seniors in their life, we'd love to help. All right. You all, you heard that, folks. That is a call to action, if I ever heard one. If you have a wish, yeah. something you and your family uh, need to do or want to do, always wished you could do, especially if it involves reconnection and, and, and reconnecting and, and bringing people together um, after many, many years or whatever it might be. Um, I know there, uh, there's so many different stories on that website. You can look at it for ideas. You may have a, a wish or a story to tell and not even realize it. And so um, we want to encourage you to, to go to that website. Again, wishofalifetime.org. Uh, take a look at the stories there. And uh, if you do have a wish, encourage you to apply because as uh, Jared just shared with us, they are looking for wishes to fulfill. Nothing better <laughs> n- nothing better you could hear than that. So uh, that is it for today, folks. I want to thank Jared Bloomfield for being our guest. Thank you to Jason Kong for production. Thank you for listening. This has been AARP Without Limits. I'm Mike Olander with AARP North Carolina, signing off. <laughs>